Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell, here to recap the Thunder's 113-110 to loss to the Pelicans on Wednesday night at Paycom Center in what was seriously one of the most incredible games I've ever witnessed. I... Barry, I try to stay fairly emotionless uh, when covering games, and I literally, literally jumped out of my seat when Devontae Graham hit a 61-foot game winner to beat the Thunder at the buzzer after Shea Gilgis-Alexander hit a 30-footer um, off off one foot, um, trying to evade a foul from Garrett Temple um, in what seemed like it was going to certainly send the game into overtime, and then Devontae Graham hits that shot off the backboard and it was just it was just complete madness Barry just a fantastic game well uh, fantastic finish um it sort of made it it was payoff to all of us who sat through that game which was um not a not a well played game not a fun game way too many foul shots um just just a mess of a game in that regard but uh, incredible finish, full of intrigue with uh, people trying to foul, people using up their last time out. Um, the last last 15 seconds were, were spectacular. Um, the kind of thing we sort of forgot about um, in terms of, you know, when the Thunder used to play games like this all the time, not so much anymore. So it was great fun. But man, I thought it was a slog of a game. Uh, yeah. To start with, uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's uh, uh, fifty-five foul shots. Fifty-five really, foul uh, shots. Mm. Putting a damper on my mood here, Barry. <laughs> Forty-eight <laughs> personal fouls. Uh, no, or maybe it was maybe it was forty-four personal fouls. Um, so, you, okay, so my, one of my favorite parts uh, regarding the the foul shots is at one point Mark Dagnall motions over to longtime NBA referee Michael Smith. Said Michael, you know the free throws are eighteen to one right now, and at the time they were eighteen to one in favor of the Pelicans. The Thunder got to the line <laughs> quite a bit though, and I think they were perfect, right, Barry? Nineteen of nineteen, 19 is that? 19. Yeah, they did not is that miss. Right? Yeah, and the did Pelicans. Goodness gracious, twenty-four of 67 percent. Not very good, but yeah, I'm just trying to ignore everything that happened um, before, like you know, the final few seconds. And it wasn't just those last two shots. It was Shea Gilgis-Alexander banking in a a three-pointer to cut the game to one. And then Brandon Ingram responding by hitting a 17-footer to to bring it back up to three. And then, you know, Willie Green um, decided to to foul up three multiple times and and not letting the Thunder beat – tie them with a game-tying three-pointer, and Gilgis Alexander uh, sort of put a thorn in, in that strategy. So, yeah, it was just just a thrilling finish and some incredible notes here from ESP, 
ESPN Stats and Info, who seemingly had these ready to go right as the game ended. I don't understand how they get them so fast, um, but shout out to them. They said Devontae Graham's shot was the longest game-winning buzzer beater in the last 25 years. Really? Also, also, the Thunder Pelicans game was the first in the last 25 years to feature multiple game-tying or go-ahead shots from 30 feet in the final five seconds. So what we we saw tonight has happened in at least 25 years. Well, that that puts a little more credence into the, the glorification of this contest. Um, <laughs> well, now, I, let me say. Let me say this. Basically, you're saying what anyone says and writes after this game is a load of garbage. Well, I mean, it's no. I'm, I, I stand by what I say. It was fantastic to to be rewarded um, with. It's fantastic to be rewarded with a finish because I thought the game was sort of a slog. I really did on both sides, but. Uh, Let's go back to something. Devontae Graham, 61-footer. That seemed longer than 61. Seems longer than 61. Now, I'm not good at determining where on the court is that many feet. Yeah, well, here's the deal. A half-court shot is 42-footer. So, I mean, when people say 80-foot or 75-foot, it's hardly ever that long because, you know, the court's 94 feet long. But the basket's five feet inside, you know, or I think it's five feet. So, um, so basket to basket is eighty-four foot. So forty-two feet at half court. So maybe it was just nineteen, but if anything, it was longer than that. But it was a it was a thrilling finish. I mean, think about some of the things that happened. Um, the Thunder plays great defense when they're up one with what would have been, uh, what, 5.6 seconds left. And they make uh, they make the Pelicans call another timeout, their final timeout, because the Pelicans can't get the ball in. And um, so after the timeout, the Pelicans do get it in, uh, do get the, uh, the free shots from, uh, from Ingram. SGA makes the tying shot. But New Orleans all of a sudden is out of timeouts thanks to the Thunder's defense. Otherwise, they would have inbounded the ball with, what, 2.3 seconds uh, from from half court and, and ended up with a different kind of shot. Instead, they have to throw up the 60-something foot desperation shot, and it goes in. So, Which wor- is why we don't see that many, which is why that stat yeah, uh, makes sense because yeah. you usually do call timeout in that situation. People have timeouts. You know, it's befitting on a night when, um, you know, you, you you win a challenge and it fouls out one of your best players of the night. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Oh, I can't wait. I need ESPN stats and info to tell me if this is the first time a, a coach has fouled out his own player with a challenge. Yeah, so. Oh, man. It was, uh, it wasn't. You know, By the way, that's twice Mark Dagnall has done that. Now, the first one didn't lead to a foul out, but remember when Lou Dort had four fouls, he challenged a play, and they reversed it. It, w- it wasn't on whoever uh, it was originally called on. They switched it to Dort, and the same thing happened to him tonight to foul out Trey Mann. Yeah. Poor Trey Mann says, keep playing, the challenge in your pocket. Who was playing a pretty decent game, you know. He had a 
a couple of spectacular plays, and all of a sudden he goes to the bench. I don't early in the fourth quarter, I think it was, or maybe late third. For crying out loud, it was. It was uh, seven minutes left in the fourth is when he fell. Okay, out. seven minutes left. So um, it wasn't real late in the game. One of the earlier foul outs you'll see, but it was you know it was an interesting game. Um, I will say this with, about with the, the strategy. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say this about the challenge. Dagnall, it wasn't like he didn't know Trey Mann had five fouls. And he also said he knew. Now, this happens bang, bang. you got to make the decision fairly fast. He also said he knew that it could get reversed on Mann because he did see a little contact from Mann. But what he said was, and I thought this was interesting, is that he was trying to take points off the board by having the Pelicans not go to the free throw line. And also, seven minutes left in the game, he said he wasn't planning on finishing with Trey Mann anyway, so fouling him out wasn't a huge risk. Yeah. Yeah, he stuck to his rotations pretty good. Um, and, and, you know, we can believe him when he says that because he takes Kenrich Williams out of the game with four and a half minutes left, puts in um, puts in uh, Aaron Wiggins, who drew the start uh, in place of the injured Lugens Dort. But on a night like this, if you take Kenrich Williams out at crunch time and put in Aaron Wiggins, it's one of the more it's one of the more obvious tank jobs of all time because uh, you know Wiggins, who I'm a big fan of, was not playing particularly well tonight. He was minus twenty three in twenty two and a half minutes, and meanwhile Kenrich Williams so, was spectacular so tonight. So He's, you're saying there was a a forty three point plus minus difference between Aaron Wiggins and that's Kenrich what I'm, Williams? Well, that's what the box score actually is saying. Uh, <laughs> so. He was plus 20 in a game the Thunder lost. Uh, yeah, in, in playing 26 minutes and 17 points. He was at, he was outstanding, uh, but he often is, for crying out loud. That's just – that's that's Kenrich Williams for you. So I thought, it was an, I thought it was an interesting game for some of those reasons. Josh Giddy is, was back to his previous self, which is putting up some pretty good numbers, even though – he doesn't always look. What's the word? I mean, I didn't realize he he would have as good a numbers as he did. He had seventeen points, nine rebounds, seven assists. So he's back to triple double territory. I didn't even realize it. Um, so there were some there were some interesting things going on. SGA gets back to the foul line. Of course, everybody's shooting foul shots um, tonight, uh, especially. Well, I shouldn't say that. Thunder shoots 19 foul shots. Only three guys shot them. You know, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl shot four. Mike Muscala shot six on back-to-back possessions, by the way. Um, and then and then SGA nine. So it was uh, it was a foul shooting uh, contest for much of the night. But like I said, at the end, all kinds of intrigue, all kinds of strategy, all kinds of of hero, so uh, you you got to accept that. Yeah, the the highlight um, of the night before the the very ending was Trey Mann's dunk over Garrett Temple. Josh Giddy finds a cutting Trey Mann with a spot on bounce pass, and man, I, I mean, this is now um, you know two of the last three games we've seen him throw down a, a poster dunk like this, and then he had another highlight where he just had. Sadoransky on skates, 
Sadoransky had no idea where, where Trey Mann went when he pulled out a step back on him and then he just burst by him. Um, I I wrote it this way, Barry. Like, he's – the Thunder is just so much more fun to watch when Trey Mann is on the floor. I'm not saying they're better. I'm not saying he's um, necessarily going to be a great player. They're just a lot more fun um, to watch, and sometimes you need that when you're watching a team that's going to finish at the bottom of the NBA. Well, you always need it when you're watching a team finishing at the <laughs> bottom of the NBA. <laughs> and I am ready to – what kind of flag do I need? I don't need a white flag. I'm not giving up. Um, I, mean, I think the phrase is eat crow. Yeah, is an active contrition on my part. Trey Mann has convinced me he's an NBA player. And I like a lot of the things he does. I actually thought more so than the dunk, I thought the second play you described was my favorite play because not only did he, you know, sort of a, uh, I, f- I forgot how you'd describe it, sort of a step back dribble and, and, and zip around the guy. But he also had to finish with a cool sort of left-handed flip shot over maybe it's Valanciunas I can't remember, yeah. But um, but excellent, just just really encouraged by Trey Man. He looks to me like you can plug him in as a as a real NBA player. So um, I thought that Mark, was I thought that was good. Mark Dagnall might say you're eating the Skittles now, Barry, and you need some more broccoli. Well. <laughs> I've reached the point in my life where I give, uh, I enjoy this, uh, I enjoy the Skittles. Um, you know, it, when you, when 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 you eat poorly, people say it takes some time off the off your life. My response is, well, I hope it takes it off at the end and not at the front. So um, that's that's the way I am with Trey Mann. I I assume he doesn't play a lick of defense. I don't know. I hadn't studied it. I need to, but. Um, but I've liked the way he's progressed. He's he's a guy that can make a shot. He's a guy that can create a shot. Mark, Mark Dagnall talked about that, that you know, shot creation is a very valuable trait in the NBA. Um, yeah. You know, especially when games get more important and the opponent gets better. You know, creating shots is is not something every NBA player can do, and if, if you can do it, you know, there, there's ways your team going to be able to help you. I mean, there's ways you're going to be able to help your team that that not everybody can do. Yeah, and, and maybe his ceiling is even higher than what I'm about to describe. But like we, we we've talked about it, Jordan Clarkson, that that sort of guy is spark plug, instant offense off the bench is what I think Trey Man could um, develop into. He's certainly got a long way to go, but man, just you got to create space to get your shot off in the NBA and he can create just a, a crazy amount of space. Like there's when he busts out some of his moves, like there's just, it's like, you're just always surprised by, by how much room that, that he can create with uh, what looks like very smooth and under control movement. So yeah, I, I like watching Trey man. I will continue to eat the Skittles. Um, no matter what Mark Dagnalt advises um, me. So, Barry, to move on, and a guy heading in a different direction, and it's late, so we're going we're gonna to end on this. But everyone likes to talk about Alexei Pokashevsky. We both like talking about Alexei Pokashevsky. He did not play tonight because he played uh, 26 minutes for the Oklahoma City Blue earlier on Wednesday afternoon. It was his first G League assignment of the season. Um, 
not totally unexpected, but anytime you do something with Poku, it deserves attention because he has more of a following and fanfare than just about any 17th pick I could ever imagine. Um, but he's been, you know, about as bad or even worse offensively than he was last year. I know a lot of people are saying, well, he plays more under control. I, I buy that. The shooting numbers are, are down a little bit. He's in the bottom three of the NBA in field goal percentage and three-point percentage. Um, and, you know, the, the defense hasn't been great. So all of this is to say, yes, he's still 19 years old, about to turn 20. Yes, the G League assignment makes sense. No, I'm not out on his future completely. Um, but I do believe his, it's a bit of a disappointing and discouraging sign. It is strange. And, you know, he, he play, playing for the Blue this afternoon or earlier in the day. Let's see, he played 26 and a half minutes and had six points. And He only and, took six shots. Yeah, two or six. You'd like a guy to, to do a little bit more than that. You know, he's playing against LeBron James one day and against Nemus Queta and Marcus Graves and Lewis King the next. Um, I will say this. That's an interesting – that is an interesting uh, uh, roster the Blue can trot out. Lindy when, Waters. Lindy Waters is playing for the Blue. Who knew this information? I want to know who knew this information. But – uh... I wish I could tell you you could read about it in the pages of the Oklahoman, but our the Thunderbeat writer has slacked a little bit and hasn't gotten to a Lindy Waters story yet. Well, here's a question I have: Is when the heck did I don't remember the Thunder putting out a release? Anyway, the Blue put put out the Blue charted out four guys in in uh, t- today against Stockton that were in the rotation of the Thunder a year ago. I mean, Isaiah Roby started a bunch of games. Teo Maladin led the team in minutes played. Uh, Jalen Horde played a bunch the back half of the year. And then Poku. So, um, you know, that's, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting group of people. So Yeah, it's uh, not a bad G League team. And no. they also have, you know, guys like Rob Edwards who can light it up. Um, DJ Wilson has uh, played. DJ, yeah, DJ Wilson, who was a legitimate candidate to get a roster spot with the Thunder. So, yeah, it's interesting. But, yeah, Poku, you know. What I'm hearing is that you're going to be in the stands for the next Blue game. No, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but Poku, I'll say this about Poku. Um, he's not in danger of falling out of chances. But the lack of... What's the word? In development is alarming. Uh, was he the young? He was the youngest player in the NBA a year ago, right? Or at some point yeah, I was, think he's yeah. the number the Thunder put out. He's he's still the twelfth youngest. Okay, um, and so now that makes you say, yeah, let's you know give him a long a long runway. But the lack of development, the lack of improvement from year one to year two is alarming. Because there was much to improve on, and for him to not make much improvement makes you scratch your head. It yeah. really does. Yeah. Uh, in all seriousness, I do want to get out to a blue game because it's um, 
the roster is interesting. I, I wasn't even thinking about Jalen Horde, who who did have some good minutes for the Thunder. But yeah, Lindy Waters is a great story. And also they put up this gigantic banner. I don't know if you've seen it, but they cover up one whole side of the Paycom Center with like this um, uh, OKC blue logo banner, almost like kind of reminds you of watching a game in the bubble where like one side is just like completely walled off. And, and that's that's what it looks like watching a blue game. Yeah, well, um, I, I, I couldn't tell that from the television broadcast. But um, the Thunder, really, when you're talking about all these players coming and going, Horde and Maladone and uh, Roby and guys falling in and out of favor, the Thunder's just trying to see who's who can stick. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Mann was playing in the G League. And the next thing you know, he's on, you know, he's, he's making highlight real play highlight real plays against, you know, legitimate NBA teams. So um, they're just grasping, seeing seeing what they've got in, in route to, to losing. Yeah, and um, speaking of losing, this is a, uh, is a big game for uh, Tankathon, Barry, because you, you go to tankathon.com, which is one of my most frequently visited websites, um, and the Thunder's eight and nineteen now. New Orleans is nine and twenty-one. Somehow the Pelicans have played three more games than the Thunder has. Um, but we talked about how the Pelicans are a new challenger in the race to the bottom. I think there's increased pessimism that Zion Williams is either going to be out a very long time or perhaps not come back at all this season. Just from um, what I've read from Pelicans writers and national writers, so. That certainly keeps them in that race, but um, maybe if Brandon Ingram keeps uh, scoring the ball like he was tonight, that won't be a problem for the Thunder. Yeah, I uh, I was... I love Brandon Ingram, by the way. I loved him in the second half. He's... I didn't know I didn't know about any of the Pelicans in the first half. In fact, in that first <laughs> half, I was sitting there thinking, I've been sort of assuming that... The, New Orleans will finish ahead of the Thunder. That's a bad assumption. This team stinks. And I wonder what happened to their roster. You know, two years ago, they had, they were on their way to having a pretty good roster, and they were adding Zion Williamson. And since then, they've just, it's just not much of a, it's just not much of a, of a roster. Um, and what, they seem to be playing without, a lot of direction. Now they they got with it in the second half, and so I give it up to them. They looked a lot better, but it's a listless franchise. They don't have a good culture. They've never had a good culture. Uh, we know a lot about their culture. They can change, you know, they can change the names and all whatever you want to do, but it's the same organization um, that was in Oklahoma City fifteen years ago, and it was just sort of a you know, sort of a scrap heap type operation and it hasn't changed for the better all that much. So um, it's going to be a horse race to see who finishes with more wins between the Pelicans and the Thunder because that that outfit they trotted out tonight is is not any better than Oklahoma City. So, um, but the good news, the Thunder's, what, in third place now, right? Yeah. Uh, The Thunder's Um, in third place behind only... Uh, Orlando and Detroit. So, yes, the that, fighting Kate Cunningham. So, that, so that's some good news. It is. My final thoughts on the Pelicans is that um, 
I think, you know, the Thunder, somebody, might as well take a swing on Jackson Hayes. And since OU's turning back the clock um, with their coaching staff, maybe maybe it's time that Jackson Hayes comes home um, to Oklahoma. Well, you know, I guess he's <laughs> he didn't. Not- he didn't play. It's a position like I, I won't keep us going longer, but it, it's. Uh, I actually talked about this on the Dream Team pod, but it's like the Thunder does not have like a rim running, shot blocking big, and clearly if Jackson Hayes was better, he'd be playing for the Pelicans. But just somebody that could maybe fit in with the Thunder. He's probably worth an, a chance for somebody. He he's another guy that seems to not be progressing. You know, is this his second year in the league? I think. I think it's his third. Is it his third? He seems to be a guy that doesn't seem to be progressing. But he's stuck in a place where the culture is terrible. Um, when they don't really develop players very well. So he's the kind of guy you could take a chance on. What 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 could it possibly hurt? So I've sold you. I've sold you. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, here's the thing. Part of it also is this. Jared Allen comes out of Texas, big, tall, rim runner, kind of guy you talked about. Doesn't really have a shot beyond eight foot, but big rim protector, all that kind of stuff. Turns into a heck of a ball player. Right after him at Texas comes Jackson Hayes. And you think, same player, same player. When he gets to the NBA, you think, well, he's the next Jared Allen. Just because they are similar in build, similar in skill set, and similar in, in locale. But the truth yeah. is, Jared Allen's just way better. So it's a little bit of, of guilt by association, I think, for Jackson Hayes. Yeah, and then, gosh, the Texas bigs. You can talk about all of them. Miles Turner, Mo Bamba. They've had, they've had so many uh Tristan Thompson. Yeah, they get a, they get yeah. a bunch. All right. Well, uh, read more of Barry's thoughts on Jared Allen in his Scissor Tales uh, that was posted today. And read our coverage from this game tonight. And the Thunder had two days off before this game. They have two days off after this game. Um, So we'll be back with you on Saturday. Um, And thank you, as always, for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast.